thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. I like that. I like the uh, net analogy. That's exactly what we're doing here at the church. Yes, that was our vision when we started. We just wanted to, to, to cast our nets, to fish. You know, I, I kind of, I try to live by two rules in my life, you know, that I feel the Bible it really kind of, when he, God called us to, to follow him, he said, follow me and be fishers of men, right? And so I'm, I'm always, when I'm trying to make a decision about my life and a big decision, I always make that decision in the context of following and fishing. You know, so that's, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. That's what we want to do with this church. We want to follow Jesus, and we want to fish for men and women. <laughs> we want to be fishers of men. And so all of our ministries, the way we design them, are, are with that goal in mind is that um, we would be following and fishing uh, for men. If you have your Bible, if you can turn to the book of Acts chapter 9. We're going to be in verse 32 this morning. We'll go ahead and stand and read the text this morning. Amen. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and please you follow along in your favorite text. You're going to love these two stories. Verse 32, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Luda. There he found a man named Aeneas bedridden for eight years who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose and all the residents of Luda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Luda was near Jaffa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the, widows who, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Jaffa, and many people believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Jaffa for many days with one Simon a Tanner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. God, your word is perfect. It is true, God. Let it change the way we think. Let it change what we want and let it make us more like you and change what we do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people say, amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. This is a great story. I couldn't wait to teach it and preach it to you uh, this morning. Um, 
I was hoping that when we come along to uh, this section, as we walk through the book of Acts, I would say, God, let me get these two stories. These are easy stories to preach. They've already preached themselves, haven't they? So uh, a little nervous. I I don't do this that often, as you know. I used to be a pastor, and I remember when God uh, allowed me to step out of being a a head pastor, I thought, man, one of the greatest things is I don't have to experience that nervousness every Sunday morning before I have to preach. But I do. I'm excited, though, to preach this text to you this morning. Just to give you a little context, uh, if you've been here on Sunday mornings, you know, we've been walking you through this story of Acts. We know here that uh, Jesus has ascended. He's poured out his spirit. The apostles are now preaching. It started in Jerusalem. They moved in Judea, Samaria. Philip already went to the ends of the earth by uh, ministering to uh, the Ethiopian. And so here we are today. Uh, we're, we're last, the last few weeks, we've talked about Paul. Luke has introduced Paul to us. And Paul Paul's going to be the main character here in a few more chapters, but Luke goes back to Peter because what Luke, what Luke the writer is trying to do is set us up to show us how now the gospel is now going to move out into the Gentiles. And that's good news because you and I are Gentiles. Well, I guess most of us, you may, there may be someone of Jewish descent in here. But because of this, because of the, whole, the work of the Holy Spirit, you and I are now recipients of this gospel. But look at verse 31. 31 gives us a real clear context of where we are in this story. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, listen, had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the last two words there are pretty, pretty powerful. It what? Multiplied. It multiplies. So now we are in a multiplication. We're in a major church growth moment. And and this is what it looks like here. uh, Luke has told us that the church is expanding. It's going all throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. We know there's a time of peace. There's not always a time of peace, right? Sometimes there is persecution. Now in this day and age, you wouldn't know this, but right now we're living in a season of persecution. I guarantee you go out in your workplace or you go out into your neighborhood and you start talking about Jesus, you will get persecuted right now, even in this land. And we're seeing that all now in many places, most places of the world, persecution is more abundant than it ever has been. It says the church was walking in the fear of the Lord. And the fear though, this was that they were necessarily scared to, to, to walk in relationship with God, but they just had this holy reverence. They believed what God's word said. They respected it. They revered it. And they did what it said. It said that the church was also walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Some translations may say encouragement of the Holy Spirit, but nonetheless, they were not only walking in the fear of God's word and doing what God's word says, they were also walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day when the church people celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of the Jewish Pentecost celebration. And they were filled with power from on high to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Spirit of God was poured out on that day. And the Spirit of God is still being poured out on this day. Someone read the the scripture about dry bones 
bones coming to life. Well, when the Spirit of God hits the people of God, those dry bones come to life. And that's what happens to the body of believers. We don't celebrate Pentecost just one Sunday a year. We celebrate Pentecost 365 days and sometimes 66 days of the year because we believe, this church, we believe in the power of walking in relationship with the Holy Ghost. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Chris, I don't, I, I long for this power. Now I've said yes to Jesus and I want to follow Jesus. I have a desire to follow Jesus. Well, I encourage you today, if you have not experienced this power, we preach it regularly behind this pulpit, but it's a baptism. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you know, baptism in water is where we take you and we immerse you in water and you come out to new life, right? It's your public confession of faith that my old life is dead and now I'm a new life in Jesus. Well, there's another baptism and it's taking your life and immersing you into the person of the Holy Spirit. And every believer, when they say yes to Jesus, has the Spirit of God, which is their inheritance that guarantees uh, their inheritance in Christ Jesus. But there is another work of the Holy Spirit where God takes you and immerses you into the person of the Holy Spirit. And you move from being a, someone who has the Holy Spirit to now living a life where the Holy Spirit has you. That's the type of life I want where the Holy Spirit has my will, has my mind, has my desires. And that's the kind of power we desire for you to walk in this church. And if you desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I can't do it. Pastor Robert can't baptize you. No one in this room can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. There's one person that can baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he will baptize you. If you long for that power this morning, if you long for that power, all you have to do is ask him. And say, Jesus, I'm ready. I desire to follow you. I long for this power from on high to give me the boldness to tell others about you and to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. And Jesus Christ will answer that prayer for you. I wish I could go on and tell you how it happened to me, but we don't have a lot of time. But I'm probably sure you're here one day. It was a, it was a great moment in my life when that happened. Today we're going to talk about miracles. We've talked about miracles uh, over the past few Sundays. If you're reading the Bible, you're hearing about miracles. These are two fabulous miracles that I believe relate to your life and what God is doing in this church. I've seen miracles. I've seen some pretty crazy stuff. I did missions work in the Philippines for about three years. I was in a very remote place. This is a place where people just had a spiritual mind, just, you know, believed what you told them. If it came from God, they just believed it and they received it. I've seen people healed. I've seen uh, um, uh, spirits cast out of folks. I've seen things appear that were not there before. God uh, has worked miracles. I don't see them often. It's not something I, I, I feel like I see every day. However, I do see miracles often because I truly believe that the greatest miracle is when someone is born again from on high. And if you go out with us and we go to share Jesus with other people and you know, it, it is not everybody. It's, it's a miracle when somebody says yes and not just says yes, but then they follow that yes up with making that, um, sending the direction of their life towards Jesus. I think about Addie who got baptized last week. 
Like that was a miracle. We witnessed a miracle before our very eyes. There was so much working against her and for her to come to that knowledge and that faith where she says, not only do I want to go to church, but I want to be baptized and I want to make my, my decision of faith public. That is a miracle. If you're here this morning, you are a miracle. You're a miracle that God saved your soul. Don't ever forget that. Think of where you could have been, where you should have been, but where you are today. Praise Jesus, right, for breaking into my life, for breaking into your life. It's a miracle that souls are being saved. Miracles uh, based on the definition and effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. We believe that miracles are things that God does, right? They are things that God does that you and I couldn't do, that nothing else could do it, only God could do it. That is what a miracle is. And if you read the Bible, you see these miracles happen throughout the scripture where people stop and they say, God did that. God did that. I used to work, I was in a role once where I was uh, kind of uh, encouraging and advocating for missionaries in Southeast Asia, and I'd go and visit them and see what God was doing, and almost every one of them would say, Chris, if it wasn't for the miracles, I couldn't do what I do. I live in a place where preaching the gospel is illegal. I live in a place where I could, I could go to jail or even be killed or beaten if I, stand, if I try to share my faith with other people. But they say the miracles, Chris. God goes before us in miracles. Our church prays and they say before we go, God, fill us with your Holy Ghost and do miracles. And God does miracles. I had one brother in Vietnam say, Chris, if God didn't do the miracles, if God didn't do the miracles, I would not be here today. I would not be here today. Miracles are so necessary for the work of the Gospels. And one of the reasons why the church multiplied, as we're going to see here, is because of the miracles that were taking place. I'm going to give you three takeaways here from the stories that we just read regarding miracles and the expansion of the gospel. The first miracle this morning, listen closely, the first miracle if you're taking notes, or the first takeaway is it's never too late for a miracle. Say that with me. It's never too late for a miracle. Here's the story of Aeneas. He says he was paralyzed for eight years. Something broke in his body, you know, and now he's stuck. He's stuck in this bed and he cannot move on in life. He thought this was going to be his condition for the rest of his life, but then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Peter gets this message from the Holy Spirit who, who is guiding and leading his and leads him to this brother named Aeneas. We don't know much about Aeneas, do we? You know, he's just, I mean, I will not call him a nobody. He's somebody for sure, but he's not some powerful, famous, wealthy, popular uh, person. He's just a man that God knows. Even though many don't know him, we know, though, that God knows Aeneas, and God knows that he's been waiting for a miracle for eight years. I believe God still works these Aeneas-like miracles today. There are many folks, even in this congregation, there are folks outside of this congregation. You work with them. You might live with them. You have some daily interaction with them. But these are people like Aeneas who are maybe paralyzed. 
Maybe they are physically paralyzed. Maybe something is broken in their bodies, their physical bodies, you know, whether it's cancer, whether it's some kind of disability, and physically they're just stuck there and they can't get away beyond it. The pain is overwhelming to them. It just becomes a part of who they are, their identity, and now they don't know how to live without it. You following me this morning? It's a physical, a physical paralysis. Maybe there's a spiritual paralysis. Maybe there is a sin issue, a destructive habit, a character defect, or, or uh, a, a moral failure, or some unforgivable hurt or pain in someone's life that they have towards someone that they need, like a spouse, a relative, or so forth. You follow me this morning? It's like a, a spiritual paralysis of this unforgiveness, just this, this, this sin, this thing I can't seem to get over, and it just keeps me down. It just keeps me in shame. I can't move beyond it, or it keeps me upset or angry. Maybe it's some kind of mental or emotional paralysis like a d- depression or someone walking in despair and anxiety and they can't just seem to break out of it. It controls them. It keeps them down like someone who's on a bed like Aeneas. It keeps them on their sick bed all the time. Here, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know I've battled with paralysis. I've had paralysis in my life. You may have experienced paralysis in your life. You may be in paralysis right now in your life. You may know someone who finds themselves in this situation, but I'm telling you that it's never too late for a miracle. Here's a story about a lady, man I know from the church we were in up, up in Maine, and, and um, we got called to the hospital uh, one day because she had uh, a blockage, uh, and they, they, they could not uh, fix it. So they had to go in for surgery. So she said, Pastor Chris, can you come and pray for me? And so we went to the hospital, we prayed for her. Uh, and then we, we went home and then we got another call. She's been in surgery now for eight hours. Something's going on here. Come to find out she had had a colon cancer, major late stage colon cancer. A young girl had uh, three young children and uh, she was devastated when she came out of surgery that they had to do the work they had to do on her body because of this cancer. Um, but but, um, but even from there, though, she said, Chris, I know God's got a plan. God is going to heal me. Uh, she went back to the doctor after another scan, and they said, listen, your cancer's come back, and we need to put you on uh, some treatments that are going to uh, uh, heal your cancer. And she said, she says, listen, I have got a word from the Lord. God has spoken to me that God is going to heal me. She says, I don't want to do that. And this is no, if somebody's in treatments right now, listen, I, this is no, uh, I'm not trying to, trying to prohibit anyone from doing that. I think that's very, that's very possible for people. But she said she had a word from the Lord. She wanted everyone to know that God did this work in her life. And then, man, I moved here and we kept following her and it kept getting worse over three, four years. Uh, she was at a place where her, she was like down to what, like 70, 80 pounds or something. And and she, she, it looked like the end was near. And family members were already calling us and saying, any moment now, she could, she, something could happen. But she kept saying, I've got a word from the Lord that God is going to heal me. Then uh, out of nowhere, I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I hear her saying, praise God, I'm healed. I'm like, what happened? And the Lord just directed her to, for, to somewhere that she needed to go, and she, she began to just listen to the preacher, and the minister said, I know there's somebody here that needs this specific kind of healing, and went and spoke it, and said, her name was Bethany, he says, Bethany, just like Aeneas, Bethany, Christ heals you. 
And Bethany today is healed by Jesus and she can't shut up about it. It's her story. It's her testimony because this is her story today. It's never too late for a miracle. If that's you this morning, don't stop praying. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop coming to this altar. Don't stop asking people to pray with you. You keep believing. I know when I was in a place of paralysis, I know when I was in that moment, I needed the people of God to encourage me. Tabitha also had a similar miracle. Listen, Tabitha was already dead, right? She was already dead. It appeared that it was too late for any kind of work of God. It appeared that it was just too late. Now, we know if she, when she passed, you know, her, she was going to be resurrected to new life in that sense. But there was something in the hearts of her, church mem- of her church people. They said, listen, it's too early. She shouldn't die right now. This is not the time for her to pass on. Sometimes it is the time for people to pass on, right? We know it. There's a peace about it. And we're like, yes, this is good. This is of God. And we know it. But there's sometimes there's something in your spirit. Like, no, it's not. This is not the right time. This is not the right time. And when you sense that when someone is at that point of death that's when church we want to be like Tabitha's church we want to pray and believe in a miracle and that's what they did they put her upstairs in Jewish custom they're supposed to go ahead and try to bury her by day in but instead they put her upstairs up in the upper room and they said you know what Peter is in the next town let's go grab him and let's believe God has a miracle and sure enough even in her death state we don't know how long she was dead all we know is that she was dead but now she was alive Peter through the power of Jesus Christ uh, brought her back to life now that's a good church I don't know about you but I want to be like this church I want to be like Tabitha's church I'm not gonna call her Dorcas because that's a weird name but I will call her Tabitha <laughs> and I want to be like Tabitha's church right And I want to pray, you come to church and maybe there's just no life in you now. Maybe you've just given up inside. Maybe you just said, I can't take anymore. But I don't want to be a church that gives up on you and kicks you while you're down. I want to be a church that believes in the power of God to resurrect a new life. That's the kind of church I want to be, like Tabitha's church. Remind me of the story, you know, uh, Jairus' daughter. You know, and and the story of Lazarus. Peter had already seen this. Peter wasn't surprised. Peter knew when the Spirit of God was moving him to, 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 to speak new life into someone. He had already been in that moment. God, help us to be in that place too. I saw something like this. I may have already shared this story. I think I did to a sun, on a Sunday night prayer meeting. I won't go into too many de- details. But when I was a missionary in, in Tarlac, I saw something similar. I have never seen somebody who was, you know, dead, you know, flat lying, come back to life. But I've seen something similar. There was a lady. She was on the floor. Her, her daughter had found me. It was a very poor area. And he, she, she led me. Couldn't even tell me how to get there. She just pulled me by the hand and, and she was jerking me. I didn't even know who the kid was. And she brought me to her mom, and her mom's on the floor in a fetal position. Basically, she's emaciated. Her, her skin is blue. She's, she's literally minutes away from death. Her husband is sitting over her, and he wants her to die because he's got another woman in his life, and he's drinking. He's spitting at her. It's a horrible situation. Totally chaotic. And I'm thinking, what in the world do I do with this mess? I can't even understand that. I don't even know what they're speaking. You know. And so all I did was I'm like, wait a minute let's just pray. And so we, I just started praying and, and, uh, and 
As I, as I was praying, I saw just kind of her color come back. She kind of straightened up, and then she stood up on her feet. And it was just, I was like, what, what's going on here? You know, I was like, it, why couldn't we have uh, a camera, uh, phone cameras back then? We could show what was going on. And this woman was just out of nowhere, just her energy and her life came back. I had people that I was able to get people from the church and minister to her. And this lady ended up becoming one of the leaders in one of the church plants that we had there in the city we were in the Philippines. I know God can do these miracles. I know that a miracle is never too late for your life. I know that a miracle is never too late for those who are in your life who may be dying like Tabitha. I believe in miracles. Second takeaway is God's miracles have a greater purpose. God's miracles have a greater purpose. Here we have Aeneas' miracle again. Um, we, we know that Aeneas, again, wasn't someone who was well-known. He wasn't a, a celebrity. We don't hear anything else about him in the scriptures. We don't have a lot of background information on him. But he, did, he became a celebrity, didn't he? You know, verse 35 tells us that all the residents of Luda and Sharon saw him. And what did they do? They turned to the Lord. This man who was kind of insignificant, just someone people avoided. Maybe people despised him uh, originally. Maybe, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't want to be associated with him. didn't have many friends. Now went from being in a state of paralysis to now being a vessel, an instrument, a mouthpiece for the gospel of Jesus Christ that now turned a whole, two whole cities or two whole areas to the Lord. That's the power that a miracle can have. You've got to, you got to say, you know, in your life, maybe I don't deserve a miracle or maybe, you know, um, maybe miracles are for other people or maybe that person, you know, maybe God can't do that. You've got to shift your thinking because you've got to understand that you're not just praying just for you. You're not just praying just for that person, but you're praying for God to do something in your life or their life that is going to eventually affect everyone who knows them. Maybe God has allowed a paralysis-like moment in your life. Maybe God has allowed you to lack something that you needed because God wants you to go to him and God wants to supply it and so that you will know that only God did this work and that becomes your testimony. And then others who saw your life, who saw you lacking something, who saw you in need, now see that you have it and they say, why? And you say, because God gave it to me. We have to become a church that prays for miracles. Because we have a society all around us. They don't believe in our God. They think you're, what you're doing is foolish. They think it's just a dead, ancient religion. But I'm here to tell you that it's not. Because in the rest of the world, miracles are happening. Our God is a living God. Yeah. Tabitha's miracle. Tabitha's miracle. Um, you know, she was already well known in, in, the, in the town, it sounds like. I mean, that's beautiful, right? I, I want to be like Tabitha. I mean, she was already, people knew her for her good deeds and her good works. And I, this is probably inappropriate, but I told someone I, we, we were having like a benevolence ministry. I said, we should call it the Dorcas ministry. And all those who are in the Dorcas ministry, that we can call them dorks. We can go around. <laughs> all right, bad joke, bad joke. <laughs> bad joke, bad joke. Move on, move on. <laughs> 
Sorry, Robert. I know he's... I just lost my chance to come up here again. For... <laughs> Sorry, May. She's used to it. Um, but uh, Tabitha, you know, she's already well known for good works. But look at verse 42. Verse 42, it became known what happened to Tabitha. It became known. And it says that all throughout Jaffa, and many believed in the Lord. Many believed in the Lord. Jaffa was a port city. Many people went out to other lands and other nations out of Jaffa, right? And so it was such a critical place. God knew when he did this work what he was doing. Same with Luda. Luda was also a crossroads. It was like a major intersection that could bring you to different parts of the land to the area, the region. And so God knew what he was doing when he allowed these miracles to take place, that what would happen in Aeneas and what would happen in Tabitha would spread throughout many, many places, and, and that, that was great. That was great because, uh, because, again, at that long time, people still were learning. This is very new. This, these were people hearing about Jesus and his power for the first time. Again, I, I'll tell you so many stories about my missionary experience. A lot of miracles happened to us in, our missionary, in my missionary experience in the Philippines. But we went into a place that didn't have a, a born-again church. They had one before, uh, and uh, it was burned down. People had, had ran the, 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 um, the church out and had burned down their building. And so they, I had someone from another area say, let's go in there and, and do a church. I said, are you, are you sure? <laughs> Did you really hear from God? <laughs> I don't want to get hit by a rock today. And so what we did was the way we started it was we got into the town square. We had a big sound system, and we had somebody play some music. Uh, and then um, myself and another guy that was with me, we got up and just pray, preached and said, hey, you know, the God we serve is the living God. He can heal you. He can set you free. And people are like, all right, let's give it a shot. And so we saw blind eyes open. We saw a man with the goiter just d- dissolve. We saw a man with a diabetic leg just get cleared up. It was amazing. I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. And, we, we, and, and so th- th- from there on, they allow us to come in and start our little small fellowship, which now is the largest uh, church in that particular community. And it, and it started with miracles. The miracles themselves don't save people. And we know that, right? We know that if God will do a miracle in front of someone and people will see it, but their hearts are so hard, they'll still walk away from it, right? So miracles can't save people. We know that. But what the miracles do is that they authenticate your gospel preaching. And now you can, you can say, hey, this guy is on to something. This, this must be the true religion. This must be the true God. And so people's hearts are, uh, those who are, are ready or good soul are ready to receive the preaching of Jesus Christ. That's what miracles do. They're so important, so critical. And we saw that happen in the, the town we were in in, uh, in in the Philippines. God wants to do those kinds of miracles here. I do believe it. Do you believe it? Yeah, I, I believe that God wants to do those miracles. We've seen some miracles here already. A couple weeks ago, a guy came in here, had cancer, and we got a text message the next day. He was going to go on chemo. Uh, the next day, I was visiting the doctor to find out what that treatment was going to be like. And he said, hey, guess what? I don't have to do chemo or anything. The doctor said the cancer basically shrinked to nothing. Wow. Happened right here in this church. <laughs> Happened in this church. Yeah. And I think God wants to do more of those things. And it's not just for you. And it's not just for others in this church. I believe God wants to do those things because he wants to get the word out that he is the living God. He is the God who resurrects dead things unto new life. That's what he does. 
That's what he specializes in. Muhammad can't claim that about his God. You know, Confucius didn't do that. But our God does. He is known as the God who raises dead things back to life. Takeaway number three here. Faith in action leads to miracles. Faith in action leads to miracles. Look at Aeneas's miracle. Peter spoke, right, the word of God to him. He said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Right? Jesus Christ heals you, Aeneas. That's all he said. Peter knew that Jesus was the one who healed. He's seen it. He knew that this was the word of God. He knew this was the word of God. Jesus Christ heals you by his stripes. What? We are healed, right? He is the God who heals. You are healed. But that's not all he said, was it? That's not all Peter said. He followed it up by rise, make your bed. So Peter had to speak the word over Aeneas, but, he, but the word he spoke, Aeneas had to respond to. And the way Aeneas had to respond to the word was that Aeneas had to rise and, 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 and take his bed up and move on. We can tell you what the word of God, Pastor Robert, myself, uh, Jay and, and Noel, Autumn, we can tell you the word of God. We can say, this is what God's word says. And you can just say, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, that's right, good. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, but if you don't respond to the word of God, then it doesn't become living and active in your soul, in your life. And so it's so important here that Peter gives Aeneas, it's not just you're healed and that's it. No, but, but, but Aeneas had to respond to it by rising and moving on. And that's what we have to adopt in the way we respond to God's word. We'll get to that point. But you have to look at Aeneas and Aeneas, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if uh, uh, Aeneas got some tinglys in his body or something. I'm not sure what happened there or what moved him. But I don't think that that happened. I think Aeneas was like, you know what? I'm tired of being eight years in the same place in my life. If he says rise up, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise up. And something triggered in his mind, which then moved into his soul and spirit. And, he, he, and I don't know if it was instantaneous, like the jumping, leaping guy. Or I don't know if it was, you know, we don't know. Maybe a movie will come out and we'll, get the, we'll see it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but nonetheless, right, something happens and he begins to rise. For eight years, this man hasn't even had to think about walking. So his mind has to be sort of reconfigured on what to do. There's a lot going on in this man. But as he's doing it, God is instantly doing this work in Aeneas' life. And now he's able to stand. And now he's able to take up his bed. And he says, I've never made up my bed. My bed has always been like this. And that's no excuse for the kids in here to not make your bed. But his bed... I've never had to take it up because I've always been stuck on it. But now I get to make my bed and put it in my hands and I get to move on in life. He had to respond. Faith in action is what leads to the miracles. Tabitha's miracle. Again, going back to uh, Tabitha, Tabitha's uh, church. They said, no, we're not going to bury her body. It's not her time to die yet. God's going to do something. We know it. We're not giving up on Tabitha. She still has a work to do. And so this is what we're going to do. Whoever made that decision, you know, I don't know if they had a committee on what, you know, but they said, they said, we're putting her body in the upper room. 
We're going to clean her up real good. We're going to put her body in the upper room. We're going to wait for a miracle. And we like upper rooms. If you're Pentecostal, you like upper rooms, don't you? Upper rooms, we know that was the story of the, um, the spirit being poured out. Uh, in the upper room that triggered your mind of the, of the disciples going up into the upper room to pray, right? They're in there. They're praying, waiting for the gift. Jesus said, I'm going to give you. And that's what they're doing. By faith, they're going up and say, we, we don't know how God's going to do it. Oh, wait a minute. I just heard Peter is in the next town. There's a revival over in Lida, Luda, whatever. It's like Lytle. Is it Lytle or Lidl? You know? I mean, who knows how to say that new store coming to town? Is it Luda? And they said, Peter's having a revival in Luda. Let's go grab him and bring him over. And so they do. And they're like, maybe this is how God's going to bring her back to life. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. But it took faith in action. It took a church that was willing to say, we're not going to give up. We're not going to give up on this, this part of our, 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 this critical, valuable thing that we need in our community of faith. We're not going to give up on this person, or maybe it was a thing. We're not going to give up on this dead thing in our, our life. We're going to pray and believe that God is going to bring this thing back to life. Let's go ahead and close this morning. Listen, this is the church we want to be, folks. This is the church we, where I think we're... We're, we're really getting there to a place where we come together as the body of Christ. We see something that is dead in our, in our, our church, or we see something that is paralyzed maybe in our church. It's a person. It's a ministry. We see something in our city that may be dead or paralyzed. We see something in our nation that's dead or paralyzed. We see something that's going on in the ministries or in another nation that may be dead or paralyzed. But rather than giving up, we come, to, we come to the upper room. We place it in the upper room, which is through our prayer and intercession. And we seek the Lord until the God of resurrection brings new life to this thing that's dead. You, you go back to the miracle that happened to, to Jairus', Jairus daughter. Still, I can't get these names right. Can't. Jairus' daughter. It said, if you, know that, if you know that story, I just shared it with some Indian pastors um, last week. But it said, Jairus, when, he, when his daughter was dead, he says he went to Jesus. And then it says that he fell down to Jesus. And he said he poured his heart out. Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is dying. And I know if you come to my house, she will come back to life. I'm not there yet, folks, but I want to come to that place where I am not satisfied with something that's paralyzed or dead in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my finances, in my church, in my ministry, in my nation, in the world. I don't want to be satisfied, but God, give me the faith like Jairus where I go before Jesus and we come on a Sunday night or maybe we come through the midweek, open the doors, Pastor Robert, Pastor Chris, I've got to pour my heart out to Jesus in my house, in my home, in my closet. I've got to pour out to my heart to Jesus. Don't be satisfied with the dead thing or the paralyzed thing in your life because it's never too late for a miracle. God's going to do it in his time. God's going to do it in his way like he did in Bethany. God's going to do it right on time. And when it's done, everybody's going to hear about it. And somebody's going to come to Jesus for it. Your miracle 
is going to lead somebody to Christ. So don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop crying out to Jesus. Don't stop coming to this altar. Don't stop asking people to pray with you. Don't stop pouring out your heart to Jesus. God is going to give you a miracle. It's never too late for a miracle. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just stand before you, Jesus. Lord, help us to enter your upper room right now. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. If you're here right now and you want to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, I want you to right now, this is between you and Jesus, I want you to start asking Jesus, Jesus, baptize me right now. I want to be filled with power from on high. I want to give you my heart, my soul, my will. I want you to have all of my life, Jesus. Baptize me in your power right now. If that's you, that's between you and Christ. If you want to do it at the altar, if you want to do it at your seat, Lord, just do it right now. Be Lord, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me full, God, of your power. And you begin to just worship Jesus. And as you do, you're going to feel that energy right now rise up inside of you. You're going to feel like a mighty rushing wind. You're going to see tongues of fire. Your tongue is going to start stammering. You're going to start wanting to utter a new language. Right now, right now, fill me full, God. Let the fire, let your spirit fall on me, Jesus. Just keep crying out. Just keep presenting yourself right now. God's going to do it in his way and in his time. But he wants to do it. And you're a candidate. If you're born again right now, you are a candidate to receive right now the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See these hands right now up before you right now, God. Oh, Lord, fill your people full. What a miracle. What a miracle, oh, God. Let it rise up. As you feel it rise up, you'll feel it rise up inside. Just keep praising him. Keep worshiping. Keep praising him. Keep acknowledging him. You're going to feel it rise up inside of you. Father, I pray for those right now in our congregation that are hearing this message. And they're right now they're saying, yes, I believe the gospel is true. I believe, Jesus, you are the true living God. And I am ready today to make the decision to call you my Lord because I am a sinner. My sins have kept me from you. But today, Lord, my sins have been forgiven because Jesus has died. And by his blood, my sins have been forgiven. If you would like to make that decision for the first time this morning and give your heart to Jesus, I'm going to tell you like Peter, I want you to rise and I want you to come forward this morning. If you're making that decision for the first time to follow Jesus Christ, I want you to stand up right now and make your way here to this altar. Or maybe, Chris, I've been away from God. I haven't taken him serious, but I'm ready to give my heart back to him. I'm ready to get serious about following Jesus. My family needs it. My community needs it. My workplace needs Jesus. And I haven't been serious about following you. And because of that, they're not seeing miracles in my life. But I, today I'm ready to turn my life back to you today, Jesus. You know who you are because there's, there's a funny feeling inside right now. And that's the Spirit of God who's moving in your heart saying, I'm ready for you to come home, brother. I'm ready for you to come home, child. Come home. For the rest of you here this morning you heard me you heard Peter you heard the word of God spoken over you he's called you by name 
And he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ heals you. If that's you this morning and you need a miracle in your life, I'm going to ask you to come forward this morning. I'm going to ask you to step out. You heard Jesus call your name and he said, Jesus Christ heals you. It may be your marriage. It may be your body. It may be something going on with someone else that you're standing in the gap for. But you heard Jesus speak over you this morning. And we want to pray with you like Peter, like the disciples this morning, and believe in a miracle for your life. Let God minister that miracle to you this morning. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of His promises and plans for your life.